Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. Our broadcast today comes from our most recent MetaStrategy Digital Symposium. It's an interview I did with former Mexican President Vicente Fox. President Fox served as the President of Mexico between 2000 and 2006. He currently serves as the President of Centro Fox, an institution committed to training compassionate leaders and entrepreneurs through social values to create a better future. Prior to his time in politics, President Fox served as the Chief Executive Officer of Coca-Cola in Mexico. In this interview, we cover the topics of leadership and President Fox articulates key traits that determine a successful leader. He also gives a thumbnail sketch of the state of politics currently in Mexico and across Latin America. He describes the evolution that Mexico has gone through to become a hub for technology and talent in the global economy as well, and shares his perspectives on the current war in Ukraine. He describes why leadership needs to be both compassionate and purposeful in order to work, and also talks about what makes him optimistic for the future and the work he's doing now to make it a better place for everyone. With that, I want to um, begin the conversation with my friend, uh, the former president of Mexico, Vicente Fox. President Fox, welcome to the MetaStrategy Digital Symposium. It is so wonderful to see you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Peter. It's so nice to see you here again. And you've always been a very special guest in our presidential library in Mexico, where we run many events in relation to technology, business, even cannabis. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we move the ball around. Thank you for the invitation. And I'm pleased to be here with you. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor in, indeed to include you in this conversation. And as I was mentioning before, Mr. President, uh, these are really dynamic times, uh, uh, to say the least. And, and there's been a, a real rise of populism, populism on the left, populism on the right in, in many countries, including both of our countries as well. And I, I thought I might begin with just a quick question to you about the state of play in Mexico currently, as somebody who has, again, deep roots in business, deep roots in government at the highest levels in both. Talk a bit about your own perspectives on the status currently of, of Mexico, if you would. Okay, thanks again. And uh, let me start by saying that uh, in, in the polarity of uh, politics, usually we speak about the left, the far left, the center, the right, and the far right. But something else was born in the last 10 years in Latin America, which we have addressed it like populism, which at the very end is demagoguery. It's these guys that come with a very strong desire and will to power, and they use democratic means. So they came to power through democratic means, which is a fake, which is a, an engaño. And uh, once they are in power, then they show their teeth and they show what they really are. Talking about guys like uh, Maduro in Venezuela, Chavez before him in Venezuela, uh, the Castros more, more identified with communism. But then we have in Bolivia, we have in Nicaragua, we have in Central America, and about one third of uh, economies in Latin America now are run by this type of guy. They don't have a specific ideology, what they do is get to power by promising, promising many, many things that they are never going to be able to comply with and they are not going to be able to deliver. 
But once they are in power, they manage. They manage even if they don't deliver, they manage to stay there. And usually, and this is the worst part of it that is coming, is that usually they change constitutions in countries like Mexico where we don't have re-election and they change the constitution to go for a second term, which is not allowed for instance in the case of Mexico. And that's one of the big worries we have at this time. If this guy might try to, I'm referring to Lopez Obrador, the actual president of Mexico, he's exactly the description I just showed about. He ran three times to get to be president and each one of them, uh, he promised and promised and promised. Now, the other thing is that they are far away from having uh, the execution of the budget on a very efficient manner and productive manner. So what they usually do is giveaways, giveaways to everybody by different categories of citizens. And through giveaways, they keep control. And uh, the problem with that is that you build up lazy communities, lazy citizens. They don't care about going to work. They don't care about uh, investing eight hours of the day on um, trying to get income, but they just expect it coming from the government. In a way, in a way, in the United States, you have a uh, little bit or much of a left, left side uh, demagoguery and populism and extreme right also. So uh, that's why the United States is in a divide right now. Some Democrats, half of the population, the other half is Republicans. We have that same divide in the rest of the world and particularly in Latin America, but the divide is according to income. So the divide is those who have and who have plenty and those who don't have, and so they don't have opportunities. I think, and with this, I end up this, this comment, uh, when I was president, uh, I, I like uh, the horse, running the horse, I have my saddle chair right behind me. Uh, you have two bridles, and you have to be very careful on how you manage a little bit, pull the bridle to move to the left, but not the far left or anything like that, so that you attend so many needs, and so you try to distribute income. And then you pull up the right bridle to promote, to, to, to create wealth through a strong, friendly government with the business community and with investors. Mm -hmm. Because a big confusion with these populist governments, they think they generate wealth and that they create wealth. That's, that's not true. They just spend the money that taxpayers put in their hands. And so that's why this, this handling the brutals with, with careful um, balance is the way you have the two things because the problem is getting worse and worse, worse distribution of income, the education uh, uh, capacity or, or the ability to participate of people is very scarce. So again, distribution of education and information is as bad as distribution of income, if not worse. So these people behind finally have a voice through what you're doing through uh, information technologies, technologies and communication technologies. Finally, they have a voice and they want to be on board and they want to be part of the success and part of progress and development. But finally, they are demanding that we create those opportunities for them. And that's the big challenge for government and politicians today, as far as I can see.
Very interesting. Thank you for that context setting. Very important. I want to actually talk a bit about uh, a, a, a great message about things that are happening in Mexico. I know a great number of people who are attending today who have significant teams, Amer American-based companies with significant teams in places like Guadalajara, for instance, um, and, and other tech hubs that are emerging across Mexico. I know you are somebody who's been very progressive in your thinking about technology. You even alluded to it a moment ago in your, your earlier response, the importance of technology as uh, an enabler, as, as uh, a way to perhaps get beyond this divide in some ways. Talk a bit about your own perspectives of the evolution of Mexico as a technology hub and some of your vision there as well. Okay, uh, just for all of you, uh, in Mexico, 99% of uh, global corporations, Fortune 500s, operate in Mexico. And they make pretty good money in Mexico. They get pretty good return. And uh, that's why Mexico has a very strong manufacturing settlement, has a very strong presence of technology. The, all the technology companies are operating in Mexico, basically two, two places. One is Guadalajara, which has become a hub of uh, technology and information technologies. Uh, and the other one is Monterrey, where this big, huge settlement of businesses are, the big uh, lords of industry in Mexico, the Mexican corporations, more than half of them are right there in Monterrey. The big, big groups are from Monterrey. So Mexico is advancing on information technologies in technology in general, but because it was incentivized, because we had former governments, including my, my government, not only friendly with, friendly with uh, business and investment, but friendly with technology and really uh, pushing forward, uh, sharing part of the budget to improve and increment the, the presence of uh, technology. So we were doing great, but again, you get one of these populists and there is no money assigned. The budgets that we have to support and promote uh, technology science uh, is not there anymore. And uh, so the way I see the world is, is like uh, uh, it used to be the Enlightenment, which is the founding father's philosophy, specifically Thomas Jefferson. And the Enlightenment is number one is science, is science. And science so that you can, like, like any people dedicated to science or any universities, to prove things, to prove the facts. If you have a stone in your hand, you let it go down to the floor and you see that it falls down. And so you create the, the policy of relativity and uh, through science, reason. And this is part of what we're losing in the world. We have so much fake news and so immense amount of information coming to our desk that we, we, we just get lost. And so we have to be very, very objective on, on analyzing the information we get of sustaining or documenting that is real and good and positive information well sustained. And uh, so that the other. And the other thing that we tend to forget about, especially the, the governments and bureaucrats and uh, some businesses, is humanism. If we don't have that ingredient present in any of the things we do, uh, if we're not humane, if we don't worry about others, if we don't worry about the community, if we don't worry about the world, if we don't worry about the environment, uh, we're lost. The, the, the future will be destroyed. 
So to me, doing for others is a key ingredient that has to do with humanism and uh, that is in a good way lost, lost on the activities of governments and businesses. Yeah, very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Mr. President, uh, I wanted to ask you about the, the war in Ukraine. Uh, while you were president of Mexico, you spent time with Vladimir Putin in the Kremlin. He's somebody who you've uh, been able to, you've been able to measure the man to some extent. And I, I wonder your own thought process about what is happening there, and moreover, your interpretation of the world's response uh, as a result of, of that, that act of aggression. Yes. Uh, sad, absolutely sad what is going on there. And uh, by having war, there's no progress. Anybody that is in war will destroy possibilities of uh, progress, education, investment. Uh, I tended to respect Putin as a leader, and uh, but a leader that didn't show exactly what he had within himself. A leader that made good things for Russia with a strong character, a strong leadership, but he moved to the authoritarian side of leadership. And that's, that's the worst side of leadership. It's, it's, a, it's something that doesn't work. What works on leadership is a compassive side of leadership. The good face of leadership is compassion. And then through compassion, you and leadership, you build up your purpose. And purpose is a word that is incredibly meaningful. Every single action in, in life, in human beings, has to have a purpose, has a purpose, and define that purpose so that you know what are you shooting for, where are you going. And of course, the key to leadership is, is uh, purpose, but with performance. Uh, because leaders tend to just plan and do a lot of visionary things and speak about them in seminars and education. But the real leader is the one who performs, who makes things happen. And that's when you're looking, looking for human resources into your organization, I will look for leadership leadership and then there are ways of measuring leadership even by just talking to a person seeing his eyes and listening to him you you find you 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 get you catch that he's a leader but then the cause the cause of that leader in the case of putin is very negative it's authoritarian it's, it's, it's difficult to deal with him and leadership is such a power within that even those that don't have the right cause uh, do great things, but harm <laughs> people and everything. So uh, Putin, I spent hours and hours with him at the Kremlin, and uh, he tried to show the grandeur of uh, Russia, uh, the grandeur of the past Russia of the Tsars and the big empire they were. Uh, he doesn't even think about communism. I, I, he, he's a communist. He doesn't even remember who Marx is or who, whoever this uh, communist. What he is a uh, people full of e ego and, and, and grandiosity, big things. Uh, it's so sad what he's doing right now that he, I'm not his friend anymore. <laughs> if anytime I was friendly with him, 
And uh, we're trying to help the Ukrainians here in our place at Central Fox. We're finding out ways and means that we can help them out. And I think the whole world, absolutely the whole world, the world of technology, the world of business, the world of politics, we should be on the right side. And the right side is being with the Ukrainians. Thank you. And what great insights you had about leadership as well, Mr. President, uh, inspiring words about the need for purpose, but also the need for us to go find leaders within our organizations who will be the drivers of positive change for us. I wanted to ask you a lot of uh, thorny topics that we've been talking about. Uh, you do so much good work in Mexico and abroad. Uh, I wonder, could you talk a bit about some of the things that are making you optimistic as you look to the future? What, what are the, some of the things you've gotten involved in that, that uh, have you waking up with a smile on your face? Well, today, two things keep me optimistic. One, watching and understanding processes of development, the processes of history uh, all around the world, and, uh, and the way we have managed to, to keep on going to the future, the whole of the world. We do have wars, but not the big world, world wars that we had last century. Uh, we have acquired immense success and progress in these last three decades. Globalization was a factor, important factor. Now it's highly questioned. I don't understand why, but it's highly questioned. Uh, trading, which used to be the tool to progress like Mexico did uh, on its trade agreement with the United States. By the way, the trade agreement uh, balance with the United States and Mexico is reaching a trillion US dollars worth of exchange in, in both of our economies. But the surprise is, it's an even balance. We export, Mexico exports as much as we buy from the United States. And this is something that should be known more in United States because the farmers in United States, the cattle ranchers, the technology and else and else have gained competitiveness through this virtuous trading association that we have. Uh, United States has won through NAFTA competitiveness, enormous competitiveness, the big corporations. Of course, uh, for instance, as an example, here in our region, the Bajio, uh, three states, Querétaro, Guanajuato, Aguascalientes, four in San Luis Potosí, we have 11 11 state-of-the-art manufacturing automobile companies producing automobiles here. Imagine 11 in one small region with only 12 million inhabitants. No elsewhere in the world you have something similar. And this is because the competitiveness we reach by Mexico, of course, supplying labor, supplying great quality work uh, and efficient work and the uh, United States providing technology, providing management, very high standards of management. And Canada, in the case, also has things that provide. So it's a virtuous association, very strong, which I would, uh, any of your companies should look at. If you're not in Mexico, you're losing the, the good things about growth, prosperity, and progress. That's really great. Uh, last question for you, Mr. President. Uh, talk a bit about how you're spending your days these days. What are some of the uh, organizations that you've gotten gotten involved in? How are you? How are you spending your time? Okay, uh, I say I'm on extra time now because I'm 80, 
in the 16 years, I was in family, in school, nourishing myself uh, here in San Cristobal. Second quarter, 16 years with the Coca-Cola company where I learned huge amount of things, incredible amount of things. Uh, I started delivering um, Coca-Cola in the mom and pop stores uh, in the route. That's where I started, ended up being CEO for Mexico and Latin America. Then third quarter, uh, I decided to come back to the ranch, to the farm. And we, we have a huge uh, farm here with, uh, with uh, 10,000 acres, excuse me, 1,000 acres. And uh, everything we produce here is exported. So I travel around the world promoting the products, broccolis, cauliflowers, Brussels sprouts, uh, berries, tons and tons of berries. And uh, maybe you don't know, all of you, that 70% of the broccoli you eat in the United States comes from Mexico. Uh, avocado is coming from Mexico and many other products. So we are the food provider to the US economy. So that's third quarter. Fourth quarter politics. A guy invited me to join into politics. So I started like a grassroots and I became president of Mexico after being governor and before that being congressman. So that's why I say now I'm in extra time. <laughs> this last 16 years, Matt and I have been working through three foundations that we have just to do for the poor, just to do uh, what I call the short route to happiness, which is working for others. So we wake up every morning here and here at your home, which is in the ranch, hearing the pajaritos, the birds, and the very nice uh, noise in the morning. And uh, so we enjoy life here, we enjoy the family, but we have a big challenge with our three foundations. One of them, the Presidential Library, number two, one dedicated to wheelchairs, to protein, to nutrition for the poor. And the other one in San Miguel de Allende, which I will invite you all to come. It's the most beautiful place in the world. And uh, there we have a foundation attending handicapped, attending brain damaged uh, persons. Uh, severe brain damage, 320 of them we attend there in San Miguel de Allende. So we have a happy life every day, doing for others, and we have a happy life, enjoying the family and enjoying this place, which is your home. Uh, well, I look forward to making it back to my home again very soon, Mr. President. I, I am so honored to know you first and foremost, uh, but also honored that you would take time out of your busy schedule. And, and I admire the great work that, that you did as a business leader, as a, as a, a head of a government, a head of state, and now uh, giving back so much of your time uh, to, to those in need. Uh, remarkable, the, the things that you've done and the, 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 the number of causes that you've touched. And um, you certainly touched this audience by, by, be, by joining us today. So thank you so much for doing so. Gracias, amigo Pedro. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Thank you. Muchas gracias. <laughs> right. Bye bye, everybody. Enjoy.